Hello and welcome to the Serverless Transformation Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all things serverless. From use cases and tooling to interviews with industry-leading experts, this podcast aims to help you with your serverless transformation journey. Today we have our first audio newscast issue of the weekly Serverless Transformation newsletter, summarizing the context and implications of five selected pieces of serverless content from the week. I hope you enjoy, and if you'd like to subscribe to our Medium, please go to medium.com slash serverless transformation. Article 1, The Top 10 Serverless Best Practices by Yang Ju. This AWS serverless hero lays out the top 10 practical steps to make any serverless stack more robust and secure. Developer management of iron roles is one of the key areas covered, explaining how wildcard policies is not a good idea, how one iron role per lambda function is better than having one iron role shared across multiple lambda functions, and how in general there's a need to separate deployment roles from execution roles. The overall theme here, in my opinion, is least privilege, and I think this is something we're going to see more and more as developers are empowered by serverless. Further to the infrastructure side, the basics of specifying which version of the service framework you're using, tagging of resources, and having multiple subnets inside of your VPCs are all good areas to improve the infrastructure of your serverless stack. On the application code side, for nodes runtimes on Lambda, Jan specifies that using the serverless Webpack library is a really good way to reduce your cold start time by reducing the size of your package. This is something we do at Theodo and we've seen good results too. Finally, on the infrastructure's code side, Yam promotes splitting of large serverless.yaml files into multiple files and is in favor of using the sub in place of the join cloud formation function as when you're constructing ARM paths, it can be much more readable. Article 2. Amazon Aurora Serverless PostgreSQL now supports the Data API. This is big news for the data layer question when it comes to serverless architectures. This announcement, coupled with the hyperplane announcement a few weeks ago, is really going to disrupt the standard that DynamoDB is the only way to store data in a serverless architecture in terms of a database. Previously, the arguments have been, well, to use RDS, you're going to have to put your Lambda function inside of a VPC. This used to add a great amount of latency, but hyperplane has solved that problem. Secondly, the argument used to be that establishing an SQL connection between a Lambda function and your database is much slower than just calling an API, and it's not like those connections can easily be persisted or scaled across Lambda function invocations. This announcement puts into doubt that assumption, as we can now call an API in a very similar way to how we call DynamoDB. There are other advantages around DynamoDB and how that's going to scale, but it seems that for some companies, this has opened the door to them adopting serverless as they can stick with relational database technologies that may be legacy or maybe what they know and love. It's really great to see Amazon responding to some of the issues around serverless, first of all with Hyperplane and now this data API, and I'm very excited to see what comes next. Article 4. Well, Article 4 is not actually an article, it's a recording from the Serverless Transformation panel discussion, which involved Emra Samdan, the VP of products for Thundra, Nada Dabit, a web and mobile developer working a lot with Amplify, and Craig Mayhew, a CTO moving his company to a serverless-first architecture. I'm going to play a short recording of this, 
but the full video recording where you can see the panelists discussing preset questions and some from the people watching online is now up on YouTube and I do recommend it. It's a great introduction and we also cover some more advanced topics. Enjoy the short recording and then we'll move on to the final item of today's serverless transformation newscast. Um, also, it allows you to experiment because if you're building things this quickly, if you have an idea and you want to test it out, uh, you can build that thing very quickly without having a lot of drawbacks around time and money. So you can test things out, experiment, and if they don't work, you can tear those down and they didn't cost you a lot because of how quickly and how efficiently you built that. So I think the speed of, uh, of the development to me is kind of like my number one thing that I'm um, always kind of seeing is, is the uh, main benefit. Yeah, I agree a lot. And especially at Theodore with, with the MVPs we build with startups, tools like Amplify, which I believe you're involved in, um, really can create immense speed in sort of getting basics like user authentication in a cloud native architecture. And then Lambda's giving developers the ability to, to manage their own infrastructure and build uh, incredibly scalable products quickly. Right. Uh, like, yeah, as Nader says, like, uh, the, in, in, with serverless, companies can go to the market faster than like the competitors. This is the advantage of the company and from the development perspective uh, since serverless makes you focus like enables you to focus on the value that you provide to the customer uh, as, a, as a developer you are working on like the features that that will help people to take take a take a advantage from your product so instead of like developing some ci cd or like some uh, other stuff to migrate it to the product they are just like shipping it very fast and they are contributing better than before in this case in my opinion even developers feel that they are they are doing more for their organization and it helps it increases the their belonging to their what they what they are what they are, where they are working for. Craig, is there anything you wanted to add? Yeah, to just that? to add, add to that. So um, I was, I guess I was thinking more about some of the, the, the challenges that we faced. I know this is meant to be quite a positive question, but um, uh, I was thinking, you know, you, you get a lot of this for free, right? So as long as you've um, followed you know, most of the best practices for, for working with serverless, you get the cost reduction, you get the scalability out of the box. Um, and you know, as already said, you get the speed of delivery. Um, but there's there's a lot that uh, I think you're probably forced to think about in advance. Um, you have to think about um, if you're going with a serverless first architecture. You have to think about uh, how is your infrastructure going to be set up? Is it infrastructure as code? It kind of has to be. Um, so I think going down this route, the main advantage for us has been rethinking everything that you need to do in advance of switching to serverless. You can't, you can't kind of skip over all of those steps because you'll very quickly just fall over yourself with, with, with serverless. If you're, if you're clicking around the, you know, uh, to pick on, I guess, Amazon, if you're clicking on the AWS console and setting up your, your serverless architecture through that, um, instead of uh, having everything as infrastructure as code, uh, it, it all will fall apart. Thanks for listening to this Serverless Transformation podcast, a podcast about all things serverless. If you're interested in hearing more content, please follow me on Twitter at LRBben, that's at E-L-L-E-R-B-Y-B-E-N. Follow us on Medium, medium.com slash serverless-transformation. And keep up to date with our GitHub, that's github.com slash theodo-uk. This podcast is brought to you by Theodo. 
a development company in London passionate about open source technologies like serverless and delivering MVPs quickly. If you're interested in anything we can help you with, please go to www.theodo.co.uk. Thanks for listening and I hope to see you next time.